will, go ahead and make your way over to 1 John. The letter of 1 John is near the very end of your Bible. If you get to Revelation, just go back a couple books. Uh, you'll find it there. We're going to be in chapter 4 here in just a moment. Um, but before that, um, let me just remind you, we are in uh, week 2 of our core values. We are going through them, reviewing them, renewing them. Uh, last week we learned about the means of grace. Hopefully you can remember, right, the Word of God, prayer, the sacraments are the means of grace. Uh, in the weeks ahead, we'll be looking at the, uh, the areas of participating in worship and Sabbath, eagerly making disciples of Christ, engaged in serving the community, and active in church planting and mission sending. Today, though, we're going to be looking at our second core value, which is living in covenant community, or you could say living in covenant family. The words, uh, terms are interchangeable. Uh, when we say that we seek to be a, a community, a covenant community, we're saying that we desire to be a community that is committed to the growth, the provision, and the care of all of its members. But those are just words, right? On a piece of paper, on our websites, scattered about. Um, I had never heard this. Uh, most of you know I came to faith about 17 or 17, exactly, um, in Texas. And anyway, by the time I came to Kansas, I had never heard this term covenant family uh, and so Laura and I moved to Kansas City in the fall of 2006. At the time, I was on staff at Redeemer Presbyterian Church coming on as a youth pastor, and we, we'd hear this term thrown around, covenant family, covenant family, covenant family, and I felt like I knew what it meant, right? Like, like be nice to people at church or something like that, but, but I didn't really grasp the term. Where, where does it mean at a, on a deeper level? And the day that it all really hit me was when a woman in the church who's whose own children were at the time, you know, finally adults, out of nowhere came and, and asked Laura and I, she said, hey, can I watch Beckham so that y'all can go on a date this Friday? Uh, we, we hadn't asked her to, to do that. It was completely random in some regard. We, we hadn't told her how little time we'd gotten to just spend the two of us in the, uh, over the last many months, actually. We, we hadn't explained to her, hey, our, our biological family's back in Texas, so there's not a lot of opportunity. We're not a lot of grandparents knocking on our door to, to watch our children so we can get away for an evening. And, and, and Laura and I both had that weird feeling when someone asked you this, and you're like, so what's, what's the catch, right? Like, here's a free offer. Um, what are we going to owe you for this kindness that you're offering? It's just that suspicious mindset, you know. And, and somehow we, we even awkwardly asked her, why would you want to do that? Uh, to which she replied with this, like, are you stupid uh, kind of tone. She, was, she just said, because that's covenant family. Like, you should know this. And in that moment, I, I began to realize this term covenant community, covenant family, might be something more than just words. And it is. It really is. It should be. It is. This is how we relate to each other in Christ's church. We we, we function in a lot of ways as a family. It's a response to the way that we relate to God, not, not merely as individuals, but as a collective group who have been redeemed by the blood of, of Christ, right? And so this morning, I hope to show you in the scriptures what it means to say that we are a covenant family. And along the way, I want to encourage us to, to make this idea more than just words, and so I'll point us to application, and, uh, and I'll ask you to join me in, in not just being critical about maybe where things are, what the experience might be, you know, wherever we are as a covenant family right now, but that we would begin to actively and prayerfully look around for, for ways where we can better love one another going forward. 
And again, this week, this is, this is not an expository sermon like we usually do, but we are going to begin in the Scriptures, and we're going to be uh, all over the Scriptures as we make our way through here. And so uh, this opening passage, though, is right along these lines, right? And I do want to explain a little bit. Now, the Apostle Paul here is writing, not Paul, uh, John is writing here, and his late in his life, and it's this letter that is to be read in local churches. These were passed around from one to another. And, and I want you to listen to what the Lord has to say to us through his apostle, beginning in 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse 7, and we'll read all the way to the end of 12. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love, uh, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. The grass withers, the flower fades. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to be known and we want to be cared for. We want to belong to a church family who loves us even in our failures and awkwardness and all the weirdness. Lord, please make us people who are like that, who because of our union with Christ, we live in union with each other. May your word through the Holy Spirit change us as only you can. Lord, renew our commitments this morning. In, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as the second wave of COVID has washed upon the shores of our, our daily lives now, as the evil one continues to sow seeds of distrust and disunity among those who are united in Christ across this nation, across this globe in a lot of ways, uh, I'll tell you, my thoughts for us have, have been about things like the recovery of presence, the importance of gathering in person for worship and other things. My, my thoughts have been about the recovery of, of hospitality, that, that opening of our homes, that opening of our, our lives and, and, you know, to each other, of inviting people to church again. My, my thoughts have been about how we recover a robust sense of covenant family. And I, I say this because um, years ago there was a, a woman that was from out of town, visiting in town, uh, and after the worship service, she, she had this strange comment. She said, you can tell you all really like each other. And this was surprising to her. Now, her observation was not entirely true. Uh, as Brett McCracken has said, he says, we should not expect our church or any church to be free of people who annoy us. You see, the, the woman didn't observe any frustrations, any annoyance, any of those things that might come about. Uh, mostly because as a covenant family, we did a really good job of obeying the Lord by loving one another well, even people that might have annoyed us. And, and, and that led to us actually liking each other. It was true. Which raises the question, how, how are we as a, a body of Christ doing at loving each other today? Let me put it this way. Uh, on the one hand, compared to the stories that I'm hearing from other pastors, both locally and nationally, we're doing pretty well. We have many reasons to be incredibly gracious to the Lord for the unity we have. 
I, I don't hear everything that goes on, but I, I do hear many stories of, uh, of y'all reaching out to each other and serving each other, uh, of time being given, of homes being opened to each other, of uh, food being shared, of a respite to overwhelmed mothers, and, and so on. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Truly, I am grateful for that. But I've also seen us as a congregation <clears throat> love better in the past, if I'm honest, or at least seems that way. And more importantly, I, I see in God's war, word a, a call for, for every one of us to make loving one another a real priority, a, a serious priority in the way that we actually live out our life. And my prayer is that we would, every single one of us, my, myself included, earnestly make that the goal that we live out. In a, a book I've been reading by A.J. Swoboda, uh, I, anyway, he says this. He says, I am convinced that the kind of community that we yearn for and need most is severely lacking in the church today. A place where we learn to love even people we don't like, where a commitment to each other becomes deeper than our commitment to just shared desires and wants and ideas. Let's seek to be that sort of community. A true covenant family. Amen? This is where you can say amen back, you're in, right? Um, to, to that end, let's, let's make sure that we understand what this term even means, right? Uh, covenant community, covenant family, right? Uh, first of all, a covenant, simply put, is a promise between two parties, two people, uh, two persons. For, for instance, marriage is a covenant, uh, vows or promises are made between a husband and a wife, in, in a similar fashion, but far, far superior way, God himself has established a covenant with his people. Uh, originally, the, the covenant of life with Adam in the Garden of Eden. And after Adam breaks the covenant by eating the forbidden fruit, God establishes the covenant of grace uh, with and through Adam. Later, God renews the covenant with Noah and, and he throws up the rainbow, right? Promising to never flood the whole earth again because of our sin. Uh, and then again, right, the, the covenant's renewed with Abraham and Moses and David. And, and ultimately, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets as, as the new covenant is established. As Jesus dies upon the cross and is raised from the grave to redeem us, who all, you know, to redeem all who trust in him for the forgiveness of sin. And so you and I, we enter into this covenant by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And the picture that we begin to see that God often uses in, in his holy scriptures is, is that of adoption, right? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. We, we are officially made God's children, sons and daughters of God. And, and so we, if we share a father, what does that make each one of us in relation to one another? That's right, brothers and sisters in Christ. You look around this room. You might have all kinds of different ideas. You might think someone dresses weird. You might think their hair is weird. You think they're annoying in this way or that way. You can look around this room, though. These are your brothers and your sisters in Christ. That's, that's who you see. That's why we don't just say we're a church, but we're a covenant family. Because we are a family. And until you know that, until you really believe that, your life will simply not reflect that. And our desire is that our lives do reflect that. And, and so, so the scriptures tell us that there are things that we should do for one another as, God's, or as, as members in God's covenant of grace. The first and foundational thing that we are to do is to love, right? We, we saw that when we just read in 1 John 4 and also in uh, our Lord in John 13, 34 through 35 says, A new commandment I give to you. 
that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus could have said anything there, couldn't he? That all people will know that you are my disciples if you uh, attend worship, if you wear Christian t-shirts, if you vote a certain way, if you dress a certain way. You could have said whatever, right? Any things that we might conjure up in our mind that is the litmus test for, for faith in Christ. He could have said anything, but that's not what he says, right? He says if you love one another. Joe Rigney points out the significance of Jesus' words here in his book, Things of Earth. Uh, when he writes this, he says, the love, care, and provision of Christians for other Christians is a powerful apologetic and testimony to the reality of the gospel. You loving the people in this room not only is a true mark of redemption, but it proclaims to unbelievers the realness and the goodness of the gospel. And so Jesus says we are to love one another. The, the main Greek term, word, rendered one another is ironically this Greek word, uh, alelon, uh, I say it's ironic, the Greeks wouldn't have found it ironic, but in our English it's ironic because it sounds a lot like the phrase all alone. Uh, well, it communicates absolutely that we are not all alone. Anyway, the, the word is used a hundred times in the New Testament. Over a third of those uses are in regards to how we are to relate to each other as a church. And, and what do we learn from this, right? We are co commanded, I'm going to go through a big list here, we are commanded to not grumble among one another. Uh, not provoke one another or envy one another, to not speak evil against one another, to not lie to one another, but we should be at peace with one another, be of the same mind with one another, welcome one another, bear with one another in love, be kind to one another, forgive one another, always seek to do good to one another, confess our sins to one another, teach and admonish one another, pray for one another, outdo one another in showing honor, encourage one another, build up one another, bear one another's burdens contribute to one another, stir up one another to love and good work, show hospitality to one another, outdo one another in showing honor, in humility to count, really it's the word one another there in the Philippians passage, right? One another more significantly than yourselves, suffer with one another, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And in Galatians 5.13, Paul writes, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love to serve one another. And that's just a small bit of what we read. And that's just the New Testament. That, that's just mostly the ways of relating which are worded one another, right? In Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, both chapter 12, uh, refer to God's people, uh, the church, us, as a single body. Many parts all uniquely different, working together for the good of the whole body. You can think about your own body as that's the illustration that, that, uh, that God through his word is trying to point us to understand, right? And unless something is terribly messed up with your own body, right, your finger doesn't randomly just try to poke out your eye at any given moment. Your, your hands don't just refuse to feed you forever, right? Just get your own food, face. You know, that's not happening. That's not how the body works, the, the, the parts of the body do what is good for the whole of the body. So what's this look like in a congregation, a church? It looks like, like Amy and, and Joshua and Amelia, Ethan and Aiden assisting us in musical worship this morning. 
It looks like Bill and Christy Boyce setting up the Lord's Supper so we can partake of that later this morning. It looks like the Dunnings baking the bread for that. It looks like uh, Alexia and Lizzie and Sadie down in the, the nursery today changing the diapers of our covenant children. It looks like Susie caring for the children of deployed soldiers in order to help out exhausted mothers. It looks like you opening your home, sharing meals around a table. It looks like you asking meaningful, meaningful questions over warm cups of coffee of each other. It, it looks like bowing our heads in, in prayer on any given Tuesday morning for, for one another. It looks like lending acquired skills and tools to another's DIY project. It, it looks like Rachel, you know, contacting Jenna after noticing she hasn't been at church for a couple of weeks. It looks like bringing a meal to someone who's sick or just because you want to bring them a meal. It looks like stepping out of your comfort zone and, and with genuine interest welcoming any new faces you see worshiping with us on the Lord's Day. It means serving where there are needs and, and not just where you feel gifted. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six and 27 says this, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We suffer together. We rejoice together. Right? We, we want to obey Romans 12, 15, which likewise implores us saying, right? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That's in the context of the covenant family. Right? Are you, are you willing to suffer alongside others in this covenant family? You're willing to rejoice alongside others in this covenant family, whatever it might be going on in their life. Now, I hope so, but, but let us learn to, to suffer and rejoice more with one another, to look for this, to get out of our own, you know, what's going on in our own life mentality sometimes. And, then, and that means we must be a little more vulnerable, a little more open with each other, right? This, this must be a place a safe place to, to share struggles that we have, a safe place to confess sin without fear of, of being shunned with confidence that our covenant family will, will pray for and encourage in a, in a gospel-driven, grace-saturated, hope-filled kind of way. Furthermore, Galatians 6.10 gives us instructions saying this, and so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See, the covenant community is no place for rugged individualists. We must be constantly asking ourselves, right? If, if I do this, how is this going to affect even the rest of the covenant community, the rest of my body? Right? If, if Stucky's skipping worship every single week, how is that going to affect Jonathan over there? You might not think it does. It does. How will it affect my, my covenant family if I only interact with my own little clique of people I like? Which is not a bad thing if you have a group here that you just love, right? But, but you've got to get out of that sometimes. How's it going to affect others? And so on and so on. Now, I, I do want to give us two words of warning here. Uh, in Ephesians 4.12, we are told that uh, various leaders have been given by God to the church, and I quote now, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so the first warning is this. Um, true covenant community is, is not a program. It, it can't be. Uh, it's not run by staff. It's not run by volunteer leaders to make sure everything works perfectly right. It, it's the natural outworking 
uh, of, of you and you and you and you and you and you and, and me and all of us acting out in love towards one another. And, and I say that so you don't expect that it's, that it's always from me or always from Laura or from the, the elders or their, their wives, right? For, that, that it's always going to come from that. You know, for, for, for loving one another in accordance with God's word, the way we are actually called to, it requires uh, that it be a work of the entire covenant community. Okay, that's the first warning. And then the second warning is, is this. You, 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 your natural sinful tendency, even that holds on, right? At, at some point, it, it might lead you to feel like, like, you know what, I love others well. I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and no one loves me well. No one. Remember, God's word instructs us in the way that we are to love someone else, one another, right? Not to judge whether they are loving us uh, in the way that we think is fit. And, and so you might start asking these questions. When is someone going to invite me over for a meal? When is someone going to take me out for coffee? When, when are they going to watch our children for us? Don't do that. Resist those sort of questions. Yes, it is wonderful. It is an amazing blessing when someone just sees your need and meets that. Be looking for that so you can do that. But don't always expect that, right? If, if you desire something, if you need something, ask someone in the covenant family for it. Again, be vulnerable. Tell someone, listen, I am exhausted and I need help. Tell someone, I, I just need to talk with someone about what's going on here at work. I, I need some wisdom from a, a fellow follower of Christ. Right? Initiate a time over coffee or whatever it might look like. In other words, be a part of what makes this covenant community wonderful. And so then how do we best foster covenant community? Now, hopefully you've already seen some of this, right? These ideas that I've mentioned along the way. I want to throw out a few more and then we'll finish up. The first one is this. Pray for your covenant community, peeps. Peeps, people. Um, yes. Uh, pray for those in this covenant community that you know the best, that are the most easy to love, that are just your friends, right? But, but also pray for those who you might be upset at or frustrated at or who you simply find annoying. Diedrich Bonhoeffer in his classic book, Life Together, wrote this. He said, I, I can no longer condemn or hate a brother for whom I pray, no matter how much trouble he causes me. You might need to confess to the Lord your, your lack of love for a brother or a sister in this covenant community. You, you might need to pray for them, right? And I'm not talking imprecatory psalms, those that are like against them, right? Uh, pray for them. You, you see, to, to, be really, to really be obedient to the Lord, you will need to learn to love those who are most difficult for you to love. And so I cannot encourage you enough to be praying for your covenant community by name specifically. Um, and really, it's, it's, here's the thing, it is not in you, it is just not in you to actually love people that you struggle to even like. And that's okay, because God has indwelled you with the Holy Spirit, and He can make you able to love even the most difficult individuals. And so pray for your own heart as well, not just for them. God changed this person so I can love them right? It's probably more with you. Second, try to spend less time online and more time in the presence of real people. I could probably go on this forever. Um, but, all right, uh, Jay Kim, why has he said this? He said, the church is designed to be and to do something Facebook or any other social media or online platform could never be a real gathering of real people as unlikely and different as they are. 
if you ever want to talk about the effect of social media online on our com community, I'll, I'll talk your ear off, but I can't go into this morning. It'll go forever. Uh, but I'll, I will say this much. If you can make a phone call instead of texting, do that. If you can meet in person instead of calling, do that. Um, you'd be shocked also if you just got off all social media stuff, how much your desire to actually interact with people will go up. It is a strange phenomenon. Uh, anyway, seek face-to-face -face time with others. Come early to worship, right? You can stay late if you want, catching up with people. I know for you introverts, that sounds like, I don't know, maybe you'd prefer a root canal, something like that. I understand. Uh, you might not know this, I am an introvert. I get exhausted from being with people and need to recharge, but I also love to be around people. I see the benefit of that. Uh, so consider, you know, the way it's going to help build up your covenant community. Uh, also, we have teaching gatherings uh, that serve this well. I, I don't want to guilt you into showing up at, at the men's or the women's or the, the youth Bible study or the Monday night small group that meets. Uh, if you have stuff going on, if you're involved in the community, there's things going on, do not feel guilty for missing. If you just need a night with nothing at some point, I understand. If you just need some rest with your family. But if you're skipping out every week because, you know, you want to catch up on Netflix or you want to go doom scrolling on Twitter, uh, for the love, come spend time with your brothers and your sisters in Christ instead. It will nurture you. We also have uh, planned events, most of them grassroots things. Uh, grassroots things. Uh, the Coatman's tailgate party this Saturday, the, the women's apple pie baking party and stuff. Pasta workshop. These all sound like things I'd like to go to and eat. Uh, anyway, those are fun experience. Partake in them. Uh, Laura and Corey are organizing a fantastic all-church, including kids, backyard Olympics coming up. Uh, uh, Emily and, and Pat and uh, Christine are putting together a progressive dinner a little later this fall. Uh, if you can, come to these things. Let's laugh together. Let's, let's do these kind of things together. Uh, go check out the calendar on our website at some time. Uh, and if, if there's something you think would be fun, right? If you want to get a group and go to Taco Lucha for dinner, if you want to get a group and go to the speakeasy for drinks or um, a group jog on the Kanza or play some nerdy board games, whatever, if you want to do that kind of thing, let us know. We'll help you get the word out. Uh, if you have an idea, just let us know. Uh, we, we also have a, a directory on our website. We just changed the password to fellowship. I apparently didn't tell Travis because he was asking for it yesterday. Uh, we changed it from, it was Reformation, and people would ask, like, what is it again? For some reason, people can't remember the Reformation, and I know that's probably true wider than I mean that to be. Um, but fellowship, that's the password again, and don't post it online anywhere. Uh, and so we, we have this so that you can, can contact people, so you can invite them for coffee, so you can, you know, say, hey, let's go walk around City Park today, or let's take our kids on a play date, or whatever, right? You can just call or even text them. I'm not saying that's a horrible thing to do, right? Uh, and ask, how can I be praying for you? Or addresses are in there. If you know how to write a letter, you're shaking your head. Most of y'all don't over there. I know college students. I've seen kids try to write letters. Um, anyway, if you want to write a letter to someone, do that old-fashioned style. Uh, and when you meet with people, whatever the setting, be curious. Ask questions about them in their real life. Get beyond, you know, the weather and sports and things. Or, or maybe you who have, you know, grown, you know, younger children want to quiz older parents and people whose parents are growing, whatever, you know, what are things I should know? Um, those of you out of college, here's something for you. Uh, think about inviting some of these college students to lunch or dinner at your place. It can be after church or in the week, whatever. When, when, I, when Laura and I were at Texas A&M, we attended church every single week. Um, 
but we didn't know a single adult Christian. And that's not an exaggeration. Not a single adult Christian in the entire town we did not know. Uh, and I'd encourage you, invite a couple of students over. over. They're going to love eating whatever you have. It's going to be better than ramen, um, right, or, or dorm food once again, which is pretty good food. But uh, anyway, if you need help finding students, I know you can talk to, the, you know, the Dunnings, the Fritz, Brashears. They'll give you names. You can see them here. You can just go knock on their head and ask them uh, right here, right? And, and just, you know, college students, how many of you would be willing to go out with some crazy old people over their house and enjoy a meal? So there you go. Uh, you, you have their buy-in, right? Uh, also, get in touch with the wives of deployed soldiers. See if there's anything we can, we can do to serve them. Um, okay? And, and I know some of you already do this stuff, and you do it well. Keep it up. Keep, keep doing it, right? Uh, do not grow weary in doing good. Uh, so let, let's learn to appreciate this weird covenant family God has given us. And, and then, like we read in 1 Peter 4, 8, uh, above all, Keep loving one another earnestly. Keep loving one another earnestly. And the last thing I, I want to say today is this. Uh, in the end of the book, the, the Lord of the Rings, the, the, the trilogy, right? The first book, though, it ends with uh, this beautiful image of, of what committed love looks like. Uh, the hobbit Frodo is, is carrying this immense burden, this weight for himself, for others, for the world, and, and he decides to, to go away and deal with the problem on his own, that he won't involve anyone else in this, and, and Frodo gets in this boat, and he begins to, to paddle away across this river when his, his dedicated friend Samwise Gamgee sees this, and he begins to run after him, and, and Samwise can't, can't swim, but he's wading into the water, and he's just falling after Frodo, and Frodo says, go back, Sam, I'm going to Mordor alone almost angry at him. And Samwise responds, of course you are, and I am coming with you. Brothers and sisters, covenant family means that we will not go to Mordor alone. We will face the struggles of this life together as we are united in Christ through faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have found us as strangers and invited us into your house, into your family, and provided for us materially, spiritually, and in ways that we simply cannot now or ever for the rest of eternity repay. Thank you. Lord, please give us hearts to love each other more as brothers and sisters in this covenant family. Please create something unique here. If anyone looked in, they would just be amazed at, at the love we have for each other. Please enable us to be so satisfied in you that we, that we hold on to our time and, and our possessions and our comfort very loosely. May we use all the blessings that you have given us to magnify your name and to love one another well. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.